Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates a simple truth that in ourselves there's not one good thing, but in the Spirit. Paul calls himself the chief of sinners, by the way, in 1 Timothy 1.15. He never forgot where he came from. He remembered he murdered Christians. Paul recognized that he was what he was by the grace of God in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Many people use that as a cop-out for their flesh. Well, I am what I am. No, no, no. Paul is it positively. All that you see good in me is by the grace of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We know a statement of faith as a declaration of the core beliefs of a church or religious group that serves as a normative statement of all corporate worshipers. But coming up in our message today, Pastor Xavier will be listing the biblical order of priorities for the pastor to best fulfill his calling in service to the gospel. Let's listen now to these simple truths of Paul to the elders of the church at Ephesus, drawn from Acts chapter 20. This farewell discourse of Paul to the Ephesian elders contains some of the most valuable material in the entire New Testament regarding the nature of the pastor's ministry to the church. This is the only sermon recorded in Acts that is preached to Christians. The only one. They are addressed as elders, overseers, and pastors in verse 17 and 28. All three titles are given to these men. And so what we want to begin is by examining the priorities of the pastor regarding his service in the gospel. It is threefold here in verses 17 to 21. We'll focus on 19 through 21, the first two introductory. But let me read the whole thing. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plying of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor's priorities here in his service to the church regarding the gospel is threefold. First, in verse 19, the pastor's service is to God. Secondly, the pastor's service is to the church in verse 20. And thirdly, the pastor's service is to sinners in verse 21. God, the church, and sinners. That's the biblical order. And he gives to us exactly as it's to be looked at. Let's begin here with the pastor's service to God, verse 19. Now, man must serve God before he can serve man. He must first be a partakers of his fruits before he can give that to anybody else. That's why David told Solomon, his son, that very principle. Know the God of your father. He tells Timothy later on in 2 Timothy 2.6, The husbandman must first be partakers of his fruits. In that passage in David and Solomon's in 1 Chronicles 28.9. See, you can't give something you don't have. Before you can give somebody the measles, you've got to have them. Notice here, the service to God is of complete commitment, Paul says. Serving the Lord, verse 19, the beginning. The service is after the nature of a bond slave, 
One who serves his master for life by choice. This goes back to the Old Testament. You know, when the slave served for six years or seven years, released, he didn't want to be released. He'd tell his master he would take him with the elders and take him to the door of his house and, and put it by the doorpost and with an awl and hammer, make a hole in his ear, give him an earring. He was a slave for life, a bond slave by choice. Because he felt his master was the best thing for him. This is a carryover to the New Testament. The word for serving here is the same root for the word for bond slave, doulos, which Paul refers himself to 29 times. But this is to be a mark of each of us also as Christians. We are to be totally sold out to the Lord, knowing that he's the best thing for us. And we serve him in such attitude. Now the word is used to describe the believer who should serve in the newness of spirit in Romans 7, 6. That's for every believer, no exception. Now notice the service has no rival in its loyal or faithfulness. This is a characteristic of this bond servant, the service. The word is used by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to it in Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And man and money were so closely related that word was used for both. The word is used of the servant's service to his master in those days. Uh, Ephesians 6, 7, and 8, Colossians 3, 23, and 24. Listen, he says, With good will doing service as to the Lord, not to men. So the faithfulness that is done to men, first of all, is because you're doing it as unto the Lord. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. Notice the service to God is to have a proper perspective then. He says, with all humility. With all humility, the service, notice, is not due to one's own ability. But one's call and enabling by God. Paul is very clear on this. Resulting in the lowliness of mind rather than pride. You know the qualifications of Paul in Philippians 3, around 4 to 11. He speaks that he was a Jew, a Hebrew, Hebrew circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. Begone his contemporaries, he passed them all up. And he says that all these things I count but a pile of manure, refuge, compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word humility means to have a modest view of oneself, which the Greeks despised. They didn't consider it a virtue. They thought uh, humility was for slaves, but not for Greeks. The state of mind, notice, is qualified by the word all. Incredible, Paul says, I serve the Lord with all humility. This can only be done as you walk in the Spirit. You know that. Because in ourselves, there's not one good thing. Paul calls himself the chief of sinners, by the way, in 1 Timothy 1.15. He never forgot where he came from. He remembered he murdered Christians. He incarcerated Christians. Paul recognized that he was what he was by the grace of God in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Now, many people use that as a cop-out for their flesh. Well, I am what I am. No, no, no. Paul used it positively. All that you see good in me is by the grace of God. I used to be bad. Now I'm good for something through God. You understand? Paul referred to himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ over and over again. Not the prisoner of Rome. Ephesians, Philippians, uh, Romans, all the epistles. Now notice the service is to the creator of everything that exists. 
not mortal man. This is important. He's speaking to pastors, to those over the church. The service, notice, acknowledges privilege and favor. Very, very fundamental. It's a privilege to serve the Lord, not a burden. No wonder David said in 2 Samuel 7, 18, Lord, who am I that you should consider me? When Paul was apprehended in Damascus Road, you remember in Acts 9, 6, his first word, what would you have your servant to do, Lord? Immediately he understood the privilege. The privilege we have. The service acknowledges responsibility and accountability then. Paul felt the weight, the care of the churches, all the things that came upon him. Besides all the afflictions, the care of the churches. He understood that. Uh, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 5, 5 through 6. Peter says, The servant of the Lord must be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, we are to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. The exaltation does not mean that people have their eyes on me. The exaltation means that he will bring to pass what he has in mind for my call. He does what God's promotions sometimes are downward. Can you handle that? <laughs> From the worldly perspective. But if God has something for you tomorrow, that's a promotion. It's a step closer to the Lord and what he has for you. Notice the service to God is not easy, but at times difficult. With many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. His tears were not for himself, but because of his love for his fellow Israelite, as you know. He even was willing to be a curse from God for Israel's uh, sake, their salvation in Romans 9.3. Incredible man. He cried many tears, not just a few. He cried for their blindness to the very law. That they possess as Jews. And that one day that blindness would be removed from them. Even as Jesus cried over Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37, 39. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How many times I wanted to gather you as a hand gathers your chicks under her wings. But you would not. And now I leave unto you desolate. You shall not see me henceforth to say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he gave her up. And Paul the apostle deals with that blindness. In part, in Romans eleven twenty five, blindness in part has happened this until the fullness of the Gentile, until the last person to be saved comes and the church is raptured. Until the fullness of the Gentile be complete. He cried for the rebellion against God, not Paul. It's so easy to get personally offended. When people reject the gospel, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus, the gospel. He cried for their lost condition. Having come to his own, Christ had been rejected and crucified. Notice his trials were constant from the Jews. Since Paul was as zealous for Christ as he was for Judaism in the past. At Damascus, he was persecuted when he got born again, Acts 9.23. At Jerusalem, when he went in Acts 9.28-30. through 30. He got too hot to handle, so they sent him out in R&R for about six or seven years. In Acts 13.50, he was there in Asia Minor, persecuted by the Jews. In Acts 14.19, at Lystra, he was stoned. In 
Thessalonica in Acts 17.5, he was persecuted by the Jews at Corinth in Acts 18.12, in Ephesus in 19.8-9, and en route to Jerusalem in Acts 23. Just constant, these Judaizers dogged him. Where he set churches, they went in, tried to make them proselytes of the Jewish faith, and Paul would have nothing to do with it. That's why they had the church council. Otherwise, Christianity would have been an extension of Judaism. Paul would not have it. We owe so much to this man as the Lord used him. Paul went through difficult things, but he was not the only one. You remember Jeremiah when we studied him. Listen to what God told Jeremiah when he called him in Jeremiah 1.17. Therefore prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces as I dismay you before them. Difficult time, Jeremiah. is called a weeping prophet. I'm prison, beat, put down in cistern. I mean, called a traitor. But they never killed him until his time was up. God was faithful. Service to God too often degenerates through the years and it becomes a secondary service. And the serving of people takes place of serving God. This is a sad commentary on pastors. They begin fervent and then with the years they get comfortable and they become man pleasers. They no longer want to speak the truth because they make waves. Jesus said in Luke sixteen thirteen, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This is the second time I've given it to you because it's so important. Never forget that. It's got to be Jesus and no one else. Service to God that at one time was considered a privilege by pastors can turn... To be thought of now as deserving the things from God. Going from humility to arrogant pride. Rather than depending on God, self-sufficiency takes over. Now I've got my graphs. Now I've got my church growth manuals. Now I've got my strategies from books that I read. And I started worshiping the books more than the book. I start honoring man rather than the word of God. It's a very subtle, subtle switchover. Jesus said in Luke 17, 10, So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say this. Listen to me. This is for everybody and more so for pastors. We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. This is the perspective that's lost from the pulpit. And ladies and gentlemen, when it's lost from the pulpit... It goes down to the pew. Service to God too often is viewed as exciting and luxurious, making it very attractive. But this is only an American concept. Turn on Christian television. It's not real Christianity. There are a few good ones that get on there. Thank God for them. But we, we've, we've painted the church as something that is not biblical. We've westernized it. We've made it something that's, that it isn't. Someone they begin to be opposed or have a difficult time in ministry with individuals in the church. They begin to question their service or their call. Why? Because their eyes are not on the Lord. 
they're on men, they're on, 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 on their emotions, upon the results and everything else. And so they begin to doubt. The pastor's service is first to God then, isn't it? That vertical is very important. I serve God. I first serve God. And because I will serve God as a shepherd, if I'm going to be faithful in that vertical axis, then the second is the pastor's service to the church in verse 20. Then we can deal with the horizontal. Then not, now we're enabled to deal with, with, with each other. Because we're bad news. <laughs> Once a man is serving God, then and only then will he be able to serve man effectively. Notice verse 20. The service to the church is in view of their benefit. And how I kept back nothing that was helpful. Paul did not keep back or withhold anything that was profitable for their lives, be it material or spiritual. But he's dealing here primarily with the spiritual. He is presented by Luke as a dedicated and compassionate shepherd by the term kept back. The phrase means to withhold or withdraw or draw back or to shrink from. The context will determine how it's used. The phrase was also used as a medical term to withhold food from a patient. And it's used again in verse 27, the word shunned. So spiritually speaking, Paul didn't withhold any spiritual food from the believer. He wanted them to grow, develop, and mature in Christ. The phrase is also used as a nautical term for pulling back the sail. The purpose of releasing the sail is so it catches wind and you can travel. The word of God causes you to run that race, to make progress in Christ. You don't stand still. You don't go backwards. This was Paul's desire for them. He will tell them later in verse 34 how he provided for those with the craft of making tents. Materially speaking, he provided for those so he wouldn't be a burden to the church. And in verse 35, he did it to give them an example to support the weak. Fulfilling the sayings of Jesus is more blessed to give them to receive. He gave of his own finance to support others. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 2.9 when he got there. He didn't want to be charged. This whole money thing is a modern day thing too and a western thing. I don't want to get sidetracked, but I challenge any of you to find me a passage in the book of Acts where the home church of Jerusalem supported missions. In fact, we have the reverse. The missions took up an offering for the mother church. Where does it all come from? It's a western mentality. It's not biblical. If God guides, he provides. If he raises a shepherd up, he'll take care of him. We're not Messiah. We're the sinners. Do you understand? In 26 and 27, Paul gave to them all the counsel of God without any reservations. Therefore, he was innocent of the blood of any man, he's going to tell us. 26, he's innocent of the blood. 27, he did not shun to give the full counsel of God. Genesis to Revelation. This is the same Warning that God gave to Ezekiel, as we just finished studying, as you know, just um, six, seven, eight months ago. The purpose of the church is to perfect the saints, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. 
That you not be tossed to and fro with every one of doctrine, deception. But you come to the full stature of the fullness in Christ. Edified in love. The shepherds of Israel were charged with feeding themselves instead of the people of God. In Ezekiel 34, 1-10. They're worthless shepherds. Every generation has them. Every denomination has them. Notice Paul gave of himself wholeheartedly. He cared not for his life, but for the church. In fact, he tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 28, he gives a whole catalog of his sufferings. And he begins there by saying, from the Jews five times I received 40 strikes minus one. Wow. Then he was beaten with rods three times and he was in the sea shipwrecked a night and a day. I mean, he goes on and on and on. He exposed his personal infirmity in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9. And he pleaded with God three times and God says, my grace is sufficient for you. He knows what's best for you and he'll keep you so you depend upon him. Everybody always asks, what's the purpose of the book of Job? Let me give it to you right now. You ready? God's sufficient for whatever he allows in your life. That's the book of Job. Whatever God allows you to go through, he can get you through. He's faithful and he's sufficient for you. You understand? He told the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15, that his position was like a spiritual father to them. And they were spiritual children. And that he would gladly spend and be spent for their souls. But the more he loved them, the less he would be loved. Now, if you're a parent or have been a parent, you understand this statement. Because often as a parent, you're trying to help your children protect and guide, but they they think you're trying to ruin their lives. So we take it by faith when the scripture says, one day they will rise up and call you blessed. Between now and then, they're going to call you many other things, but it's okay. You do what you do because you love and obey the Lord. Even if they never come back to tell you that. If you're only doing it because your love for your children, that's idolatry. You do it because you love the Lord and you want to obey the Lord. Your children have a choice. They're not forced to go to heaven. It's difficult to understand that. Because we want a nice, neatly packaged theology, but it doesn't work that way. Everybody makes that choice for themselves. Paul was gentle as a nurse. He told the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 8. Cared for them. But notice that the service to the church was personal. But proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. The Apostle Paul always went to the public synagogue first. And then to the marketplace to proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jew and the Gentile. Paul first spoke boldly in the synagogue for three months, reasoning and persuading the Jews concerning the things of the kingdom of God in Acts 19.8. You see, I'm into kingdom business. It's about the kingdom, you understand? It's not about building up Pasadena. 2,000 people is more than I want to give account for. I'm a shepherd of sheep, not a, a cattleman of herds. You lead sheep, you don't drive them. Paul then withdrew himself after they spoke evil of the way, you remember? And he took some disciples and reasoned daily in the school of Tyrannus in Acts 19. He continued for two years there in Ephesus after that. So that all that dwelt in Asia were told 
heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, in Acts 19.10. Incredible. Pastor Xavier Reese, presenting the biblical order and priorities for the pastor, drawing from Paul's writing to the Ephesian elders from Acts chapter 20. Now there's much more to this study to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title you'll want to ask for is The Pastor's Priorities Regarding the Gospel. It's available on CD for just $4. And this might be a study a leader in your church or a Bible study would appreciate hearing too when you're through. So once again, the title to ask for is The Pastor's Priorities Regarding the Gospel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Next time, Pastor Xavier Reese delivers more simple truths on ordering priorities in ministry and the gospel. Hope you'll be back for that. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 